I found an interesting painting the other day on the internet by Cassius Marcello Coolidge. It's an unusual painting. Instead of people in the painting, there are dogs. And all the dogs are sitting around a large table playing poker. Poker, the card game. They're sitting there in a darkened room, smoking and looking very suspicious. It reminded me of something from the days of Al Capone. And that in turn reminded me of those wonderful Raymond Chandler novels, detective novels. For example, The Big Sleep, which featured the detective Philip Marlowe. I came up with an idea for a story, not in fact about a, a detective, but with that style of narration. If you've read the story, in fact, or seen the film, there was a film made of The Big Sleep with Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, and especially in the book you notice this, he speaks in the first person. So it's his own personal experience telling the story that is unfolding around him. This is the basis of my story for today. It's a story in two parts, and I've called it Doghouse Riley. And in this story, I'm going to bring out seven B1 phrases. So this is mostly a B1 lesson, if you like, or a B1 story. But I'm bringing out little by little B2 phrases in the story. So we've got seven B1 phrases and seven B2 level phrases, which I'll explain to you before we start. You can listen to those while you're listening to the story. And I'm also going to talk about ellipsis. Ellipsis is something very interesting which happens in informal prose or in colloquial speech. So, here we go. Hello and welcome to Practicing English. My name is Mike Bilber, and these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels, or for those students who just want to improve their general English. Now, I do think perhaps ellipsis is difficult to be able to teach and say, here, you can use ellipsis in this sentence. There are no hard and fast rules, as we say, hard and fast rules about when and where we can use ellipsis and if we want to use ellipsis. I think I'll give some examples to you which um, come up in the story and you can see how it works, more or less. So the first one is then, not a nice place, the street, not a nice place. So what we're doing simply is to take off the pronoun and the verb to be. So the full sentence would be, it isn't a nice place, the street, or the street isn't a nice place. So what we have in the end with ellipsis, 
we have not a nice place, the street. We've omitted or taken off the it and the is. The next one is no nice mat by the fire to sleep on either. No nice mat by the fire to sleep on either. No nice mat instead of there isn't a nice mat. A mat being like a small piece of carpet. There isn't a nice mat. No nice mat by the fire. And my next example is got to keep away from the police. Got to keep away from the police. That is, you have got to keep away from the police in the full form. And I've taken off you and have. It's the personal pronoun and the auxiliary have taken off. So you have got to keep away. Got to keep away from the police. Now, there are several examples of this. Well, so why do we use ellipsis? Well, I think it's a, an economy of words, an economy of words. Perhaps you have similar features in your own language where words are omitted because they're not necessary for understanding and really are there because of the grammar. I'm going to go on then. I'm going to, I'm going to bring out some B1 phrases. The first is take it easy or to take things easy, which means relax, <laughs> take it easy. So we say that when we mean that uh, somebody should relax. And that's a B1 phrase becomes in the B1 glossary. The next one is to make a face, make a face and to make a face is to change your expression, probably used in situations like somebody makes a face because they're eating something which is very bitter. Ooh, that lemon is bitter. You make a face. Or because you don't believe what somebody is saying and your face turns into a suspicious expression, if you like, to make a face. The next one is a useful linking phrase, in case of, C-A-S-E, in case of. I'm going to take my umbrella today, in case of rain, in case of rain. The next one is to keep somebody waiting. If some people want to leave in your family and you're still in the bathroom, doing whatever you do in the bathroom, and people are waiting for you, they might shout through the bathroom door, hey, don't keep us waiting. Don't keep us waiting. A simple phrase, but it's, it's a B1 phrase. The next one is a phrase which is not very intuitive, is to be willing to do something. And this word willing, a lot of students don't realize what its meaning is. If you are willing to do something, it means you want to do it and you offer to do it. You offer to do something. You are willing. I mean, really, you could say it comes from the word will. I will do it. So you are willing with ing on the end. The next one is to keep something a secret. I think it's probably quite intuitive. 
to keep something a secret, but it's, I'm just pointing out the correct verb we use there means not to tell anybody some piece of news. It's a secret, so you keep it a secret. And I'll also be using in the story the adverb pretty. Pretty, so not pretty as an adjective. So not pretty meaning attractive, but pretty meaning quite. In fact, there's a, an interesting little expression there which seems sort of um, an, like two opposites. When I say, he was pretty ugly, he was pretty ugly, meaning he was quite ugly. So nothing to do with pretty being attractive. This is quite colloquial, I think, really, and you wouldn't use it in a formal text. And my B2 phrases for today are taking everything into consideration. Taking everything into consideration, which means that you think of the advantages and disadvantages and you make a decision or you take a decision from that. So taking everything into consideration. To make your way is the next one. So that means really to go somewhere. As you're going along, as you're walking along, you are making your way, making your way along the street. The next one is in actual fact. So this is a nice one to start a sentence with, with a comma, in actual fact. Really, it's a, it's a longer version of in fact, which is a B1 phrase, but in actual fact. And another version of that, which is as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact of fact. Don't worry about the spelling of these. You can look in the show notes or also at my website at podcast 182. And I've listed all these phrases there so you can read them and uh, perhaps look at them while you are listening so you can hear them in context in the story. Okay, so the next one is the look of somebody. The context I've used it in is I didn't like the look of him. I didn't like the look of him. So, I didn't like his physical appearance. I didn't like the look of him. And the other one is to be out of practice. Be out of practice. I suppose with your English as well. If you don't speak English for a long time, then your English may become worse. And you could say, I am out of practice. I am out of practice speaking English. The next one is to be a disgrace. I'll spell that for you anyway. D-I-S-G-R-A-C-E. To be a disgrace is to look dirty and badly dressed. To look a disgrace or to be a disgrace. And my last one then, B2 phrase, is, you may know this one, it's none of your business. None, it's none of your business, meaning what I'm talking about does not concern you. It's my business and not your business. This is information which is to do with me and I don't want you to know about it. It's none of your business. I'm going to ask you also to listen out for a lovely phrase, a lovely sentence which comes in this story, which I have taken out of the Raymond Chandler novel, The Big Sleep, 
on the first page. It's when Philip Marlowe, the detective, says, I was neat, clean, shaved and sober, and I didn't care who knew it. I was neat, neat, is a B, which is a B1 word, meaning um, um, elegant. Clean, shaved, meaning that you have had a shave, and so you don't have a beard. And sober, sober meaning that you are not drunk, you have not been drinking alcohol. And I didn't care who knew it. I think that's a lovely phrase, and I've lifted that from the story and put it into my own story. I was neat, clean, shaved and sober, and I didn't care who knew it. Enjoy part one of the story then. Here we go. Doghouse Riley, part one. This is a B1, B2 level story. Copyright M.A. Bilber. One way or another, life had just gone wrong for me. It had all started when I was a puppy. That nice family bought me from the pet shop. What a delightful family they were. The little girl loved me more than anything else in the world. That was when I was little. But little dogs, well at least some little dogs, can get very big. And it turned out that I was one of those big dogs. In actual fact, compared to the very little girl, about after a year, I was enormous. What happens to a lot of those dogs that get too big? Well, you stop getting loved, and before long, you're on the street. Let me introduce myself. My name is Fido, and the street is where I've been living for a couple of years now, all alone and nobody to love. Not a nice place, the street. When it rains, you get wet. When it gets cold, you freeze. No nice mat by the fire to sleep on either. A dog would be lucky to find a bridge to sleep under. Got to keep away from the police too. The cost of being caught by the police is to lose your life. They'll put you in a home, wait a month, and if nobody comes for you, and nobody will come for a big ugly dog like me, it's adios muchachos. Yep, you have to keep away from the police at all costs. Hunger is the worst thing though. Never know where your next meal is coming from. I was thinking about food right then. I could have eaten a horse. There was a time I was too proud to eat out of the bins, but that was a long time ago. These days I just wander the city and look for food bins wherever I can find them. And I usually know where to find them. You just gotta look here and there. It was getting dark. I remember I was feeling pretty good that evening, despite the hunger. I got into a car wash with a Rolls Royce. Can't say I did it on purpose. A decent dog would never get clean on purpose. But that's another story. Anyway, at that moment, I was neat, clean and sober, and I didn't care who knew it. 
Nice collar you're wearing, bro. I stopped and turned. I was ready to bite in case there was going to be a fight. You can't trust anybody on the streets of Chicago. Fortunately, being a big dog, I don't usually have to worry much about fights. Unless there is more than one dog, of course. Something walked out of the shadows. I soon noticed it was a dog. He was what you would call a mongrel, like most street dogs. That is, a mixture of all kinds of other dogs. This one was a kind of terrier mix, brown and white. I didn't like the look of him much. Pretty ugly, and dirty too, and one ear missing. Compared to me at that moment, he was a disgrace. What you say? I growled. I said nice collar you're wearing. Must be worth a lot. The collar. I'd had that since I was a pet dog. Expensive present from my family back in the good old days. I still wore it. You weren't thinking of taking it off me now, were you? I said. You try anything and I'll bite off that other ear of yours. Not me, bro, said the mongrel. And if I were you, I wouldn't go around calling other dogs bro. Some dogs might feel offended. Me included, I added. Take it easy, bro, uh, dog. There's no need to lose your temper with me, said the mongrel. I'm here to do you a favor. Don't tell me, I replied. You want to polish my collar for me. Now that's very sweet of you, but no thanks. I think I'll be on my way. Just a moment, dog, said the mongrel quickly. You're hungry, right? Maybe I am, maybe I'm not, I answered. Now, don't tell me you run an NGO for lost and hungry dogs. Whether I'm hungry or not is just none of your business, mongrel. But perhaps you might be interested in some quality dog food. You know, the stuff I mean. That delicious dog food that comes out of a tin. Yeah, I knew the stuff he was talking about. I hadn't had that since my pet dog days. Oh boy, did I miss it. I could have just walked on and got out of there. But tinned dog food was something that could bring a dog happiness, taking everything into consideration. I decided to take the risk. Okay, keep talking, I said. Do you play poker? asked the mongrel. I play a little, I answered. As a matter of fact, I hadn't played poker for quite a while and was out of practice. But I wasn't going to tell the mongrel that. Game going on in there right now, said the mongrel, and he pointed his nose to a dark alley behind him. You play your cards right and you could win a nice tin of the best-tasting dog food you ever got your jaws around. I nodded. And if I lose? You lose your collar. Now, does that sound unfair to you? I looked down that dark alley. This could be a trap. There could be dogs down there waiting to jump on me and pull me to pieces. 
but a dog has to seize a chance where he can, and the promise of tin dog food was an offer I couldn't refuse. I'd be willing to do that, I said calmly, but I'll tell you something right now, Mongrel. If you and your buddies have got ideas of jumping me down that alley, I'll go for you first, and I can assure you, after I finished, you won't be listening to your master's voice for the rest of your short and miserable life. The mongrel made a face, as though he was imagining what he would look like with no ears on his head. Take it easy, dog. Hey, you got a name? Mine's Nipper. That was all very moving. The mongrel now wanted to get onto a first-name basis. I wasn't so convinced at this display of emotion. A dog's name should be kept a secret, except for your closest friends. And who has any of those? Doghouse, I replied. Doghouse Riley. Nipper seemed to accept that. Okay, Doghouse, follow me to the card game. We don't want to keep the boys waiting. He turned and started to make his way down the alley. I followed, my nose to the ground, tense and ready for anything. That is the end of part one of Doghouse Riley. Come back next week for part two. I hope you heard the phrases that I pointed out. Remember, they're in the show notes and at my website, Practicing English. Podcast 182. Goodbye for now.